Today on Ultra 64, we finally answer the question, does everyone love Rayman? As we play Rayman 2, The Great Escape, starring Steve McQueen. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Ultra 64. We are the comprehensive Nintendo 64 podcast on the whole World Wide Web. We are playing through every game in the N64 catalog in some kind of random order, and we got lucky this week because we are playing Rayman 2. I am an armless, legless wonder Woody Siskowski. Uh, that was literally the exact same thing <laughs> I was going to say if you didn't. Damn it, damn it. We reached nerd synthesis. My name is Steve Gunley. <laughs> we are very excited to be uh, here talking about Rayman 2. This is uh, the uh, a series that I really love, and this is the one game in the entire series I'd never played until now. Kind of This is kind of the focal point of the series. So this That's is kind thing. of like never playing Mario 3. Right, yeah, it's, like miss, it's missing one really big one. It's like... It, yeah, yeah, and so the series is not, it's not like a particularly prolific series. He's sort of more in like the world of spin-offs. It's yeah, I think he, he's a really prolific. Uh, he's a very heavily ported character. Yeah, that's a good way to uh, put it. There aren't a lot of original games, but he appears on a lot of systems yeah. and he comes out pretty frequently. As the as the Ubisoft way. Yeah. Would, would, oh, yeah. would you say like he is he the longest running Ubisoft character? I mean, I would say, like, right? Like because uh, Assassin's since, Creed doesn't have like recurring characters. No, this and, and Rayman started much older in than that. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say, yeah, because, I mean, I can't think of any big characters that came before that. Um, but, yeah, I, I would say it's kind of the, it's the closest thing Ubisoft has to a mascot, really, at this point. Which is uh, very surprising, being as how prolific Ubisoft is. Yeah, yeah. Thing. But, I mean, this is, uh, this is yeah, we're, we're going to be talking about a, a weird, very French uh, <laughs> kind of little goofy platformer this, here. This is like your companion piece to Starshot Space Circus. Yes, if you want to see like how Starshot Space Circus Fever could have been done well, uh, pop in a copy <laughs> yeah. of, uh, of Rayman 2. Uh, pretty easy to find. They won't cost you an arm and a leg. Or a neck. Exactly. Or genitals, I assume. <laughs> oh, Does no, he have I genitals, you think, tucked up in that shirt? Is he Winnie the Poohing? Is he missing a whole torso? Like, so, wait. Oh, he has let's... a shirt. Yeah, what's on under the shirt? Is it just a shirt? Is there anything under that? Oh, yeah, good point. So, yeah, let's talk about Rayman a little bit. The character, yeah. like... Yeah, I have in my notes. WTF yeah. is Rayman. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair yeah. enough. He's kind of like, uh... Yeah, I don't... He's just sort of a collection of a head, arms, legs, and like you said, a yeah. shirt. No, not, no, I already messed up. No arms, yeah. no legs. Yeah, yeah, head, hands, feet. Feet, head, yeah, in... We don't know. Maybe he just has a floating shirt, but it's unclear how anything is sort of connected to his body. Right. We don't. You. We don't know the origin of why the, he was designed this way. My theory is that they're like, man, it's really hard to animate these arms yeah. and legs well, and they're like, just let's just cut it and make it his character like yeah. design, and it's it's cool. It, it, it yeah. works. I mean, it's it's an obvious like workaround, but at the same time, it's like, yep. Yeah, no, well, it allows this him this. to sort of have his main move being to like throw punches away from his body which is always looks weird like the stretch would seem unnatural well and i think in in some of the games like uh the the hands come back yes like you throw your hand out somebody and it comes back to you this one you're just kind of shooting energy balls from your fists Mm -hmm. but 
Uh, in other games, it like it has that slingshot action. Um, Rayman is described on Wikipedia as just a limbless humanoid with floating appendages. So I think very that's generous cool. definition of humanoid. I always kind of read him as sort of a bug. Like yeah. I don't know. I think just because he's got the antennas and kind of the that. big bulbous nose. But um, to me, I think the closest approximation you have is. Did you read uh, Jeff Smith's Bone? Yeah. Yeah. I think he's like Bone. Yeah, uh, bone right. can really only Whatever be described bone is. as a bone. <laughs> and Rayman is only a, a Rayman. Like, yeah. <laughs> There's a species of Rayman. Right. They're and, not like in And female Raymans. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's not a stretch to imagine these as something with human characteristics. Mm-hmm. It's not so abstract that you can't think of it as a human being-ish thing. But yeah, it, it looks very alien and very odd. And it isn't... It's interesting in terms of a mascot, because mascots tend to be... Something the something, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog, That's Arrow true. the Acrobat. Of this era when uh, uh, Rayman came around, it was all adapting existing things into this mainframe. And so this is just cr- a whole a creation out of whole cloth. I guess, I mean, one thing, I guess this is true of a lot of quality games in general, is they really just sort of put you in with a world that they're set in, but you mm-hmm. don't really think about it as being separate from our world. Because it's like, I mean, obviously it is. He's in sort of this. We, this, this game opens and like there's sort of these ice floats and they talk about how the evil has stolen the heart of the world or something mm-hmm. but you never like stop to question like what world is this no. you're just like oh this is Rayman's world and it all it's, just kind of fits yeah you, you don't never for a second is it trying to be a real human world at all so you just kind of dive into the fantasy of it mm-hmm. that opening sequence by the way fantastically well done it's like this long panning shot mm-hmm. between all these rocks and like over this tumultuous sea and then it zooms into a giant flying airship it looks real Really good. It's got a real um, uh, a real dark tone, which is dropped pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, they stick with the goofy pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, all right, so the uh, Rain Man. Uh, let's get a little history on that because we have to talk about his creator, a very mm-hmm. important guy. Uh, Rain Man is the brainchild of French developer Michel Ancel, and uh, he's one of only a handful of developers that's talked about kind of like he's an auteur, you know? Sure. Like uh, he's he's got a very singular vision, a very singular focus, and uh, his output's been relatively small but it's been very influential and very well received um IGN did a list of the 100 greatest video game developers of all time, and he ranked number 24. So, I don't know, like, I'm not trying to make enemies here, mm. but I don't know quite why this guy has the reputation that he does. Like, I mean, the Rayman games are, are good and fun, and I like them a lot, um, and Beyond Good and Evil is another game that mm-hmm. people like a lot, Yeah, but, like... He's just, yeah, like you said, he's not very prolific, and I don't consider either of those games to be sort of, they're like very polished games, but they're not sort of like genre-defining. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know quite no. where the... Yeah, I would say, yeah, I would I would agree with that. I think uh, Rayman 2, in particular, kind of lives in the shadow of the other great, like, uh, uh, N64 platformers a little bit, and that's why it tends to be kind of overlooked. Right. But, I don't know. I think uh, Ansel definitely just has a style. Like, his games have a very specific feel to them. Uh, that only like signature like great direct, uh, uh, video game creators have. Okay, I don't know. It's kind of an intangible thing, but like you can you can feel it when playing this game, and you can feel it when playing uh, uh, Beyond Good and Evil and some of his other games. It just, I think it's just uh, a, a dedication to extremely high quality and an extremely unique style. I think I think his games are characterized by being colorful mm-hmm. and clean and easy to play. Yeah. Like they're designed that anyone can play them and anyone can enjoy them. For sure. Like the mechanics are not overly complicated. Yeah, there's a simplicity to it. Uh yeah, and and uh and that's one of his things. Like he doesn't like having a lot of clutter on screen or anything like that. And I, all of his games do that. I also feel like generally um 
the realm of video game auteur is there's not a lot of European ones. Not generally, um, no, no. So um, he's sort of one of the few. You think of like uh, what's his name, Peter Lord, Molyneux. Peter Molyneux is French, yeah. uh, and then we have uh, Lord British uh, Richard Garriott, creator sure. Ultima. Yeah, he's he's a big guy. But uh, uh, what's her name? Um, Wait, was Lord Brit- was Richard Garriott actually British? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. it seems like the kind of thing that an American oh. person <laughs> who created Ultima would be like. Everyone call me Lord British now. Like, you don't even have a British accent, so yeah. shut up. I created I Ultima. am Hello, I'm Lord British. <laughs> I'm Lord Nigel Reginald British. Yeah. What what? <laughs> Cheerio. How about a spot of tea governor? Yeah, get it over here, ya moke. Yeah, see, and he's actually from Brooklyn. Um, so, yeah, uh, yeah, like I said, he was ranked number 24 on the list of 100 greatest video game developers of all time. And in 2006, he received a rare honor. He, uh, Frederick Reynal, who was the creator of Alone in the Dark, and Shigeru Miyamoto were all knighted as uh, Knights of Arts and Literature by the French Minister of Culture and Communication. See, that feels that feels very like, okay, we have Miyamoto, this huge yeah. guy, and like, we gotta get some French guys in here. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, very much. Miyamoto will lend an air of like... And he's right now, legitimacy to it. I'm trying to remember who did Alone in the Dark. That might be a French game too. I think okay. I don't remember, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, uh, they they were uh, the prize is usually reserved for authors, artists, filmmakers, and this, this was the first and mimes. Crop of people and mimes <laughs> and baguette makers, yeah, and and Eiffel Tower builders and space acrobats, space <laughs> absolutely, and uh, uh, Vikings, uh, French yeah, Vikings, the French Vikings, like Astro. Hello, Astros. we are here to pillage your cheese. <laughs> And France. Yep. Oh, I'm checking our numbers. We have lost France. Okay, and, uh, so we're down. Last week we lost Colorado, large parts of um, Canada. Yeah. And yeah. yeah okay. Great. <laughs> but yeah, uh, this was the first crop of people from uh, the video game world to be acknowledged with this honor, which is that's pretty cool. Um, so a little bit of history on Michel Ancel. Uh, his first game was a 1990 Amiga game, Brain Blasters, aka The Teller. <laughs> I, I want to know why those are the two titles for that: Brain Blasters or The Teller. Like, so one of them makes me think it's a banking simulator. The other one is like a shooting game. Uh, but I couldn't really find much about that game. Uh, he worked on the art, but he didn't really have much impact on the story. And then he had a story credit on a game called Pick and Pile, another one that I really <laughs> want some more information on. Uh, but it wasn't until his next project that he really got to take charge so rayman uh, debuted in 1995 and it was ansel's baby from the ground up uh, he designed the art and he designed the character design and did everything like that it was originally designed as the killer app for the atari jaguar uh, but production was moved over to the playstation when it became apparent <laughs> that the jaguar was going to be what it looks like a big toilet <laughs> um, it launched day one on the ps1 alongside ridge racer battle arena toshinden and street fighter the movie the game those were your that's kind of crazy to me those were your four options when the playstation launched it's a very bizarre like, selection i would say rayman is far and away the best option out of those four like well, Ridge Racer was on there, right? Ridge Racer's fine, yeah. but, like, of the games I would play. Battle Royale Toshinden's fine, but that's the one where it's just, like, one-hit kill. No, that's fighting, Bushido right? Blade. Bushido Blade, excuse me. Bushido yeah. Blade is very cool. I think Battle Arena Toshinden was, like, bad Soul Calibur. Okay, okay. I can. Right. I always get those two mixed up. Yeah. Uh, so Rayman, the original Rayman, it's a fun, colorful, side-scrolling platformer kind of starring the, the title character. He's a cheerful, evolutionary, nonspecific what's-it, which is <laughs> not how I've defined yeah, it in here. I like that. Uh, who has, he has hands and feet, but no legs, arms, and neck, and the gimmick revolves around Rayman's ability to throw his feet and fists long distance, unbound by limbs, as he hops and bops through a psychedelic world of frog people. So I feel like that um, that genre, which is a very there's a very small group of games that are like 2D 
um, super colorful platformers for like the Saturn and the PS1. Yes. Those are some of the best looking games I love that, that exist. Oh, yeah. What's the um, one? Uh, it's not Dragon Force. It's like uh, Guardian. Guardian, Guardian Heroes. Guardian Heroes. Yes. Guardian Heroes for. Uh, Saturn yeah. has a lot of really beautifully like drawn and animated games where they're just like yeah. really pretty to look at the stills. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, they have a tremendous amount of slowdown, but they look very good. Um, the Saturn does some of yeah. the absolute best 2D side scrollers. If only they didn't. They did more, you know, that would have been great. Uh, and they weren't so ridiculously expensive to find now. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it it, uh, it it really has a very, like, it, the, the original Rayman game doesn't really do anything that you haven't seen before. It just does it super well. Yeah, and it, and looks, and it looks really pretty it's and they're well designed. Yeah, it, it looks like it's taking advantage of the new technology, even if it's kind of like an older presenting game. Uh, and uh, like our uh, game from a few weeks ago, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six, this game made it onto the <laughs> PS Classic. So scoop that up today. <laughs> I believe they're five, uh, five for a dollar at yeah, this point. Exactly. <laughs> they're in the GameStop with a scoop and a barrel. <laughs> you can just help yourself. They, they have the little machine you put in the quarter and twist oh. <laughs> it, and they drop out PS Classics. <laughs> uh, I would say, yeah. So we've talked a little bit about, it, but I would say Ansel's masterpiece is probably his follow-up to Rayman uh, Two, which is Beyond Good and Evil. It was a totally unique mashup of open world exploration and stealth action and photography it had this really kick-ass female heroine and her friendly pig sidekick and uh it's really just kind of not like anything else it's a really sharp like mix of genres it's not a game like it's not one of my favorite games but it is really well done like you said like it it goes very quickly from like stealth modes to exploration um to sort of intuitive combat yeah um and so it is very good, and it's it, the people have been pining for a sequel for a long time. Uh, the, I think uh, they first announced the or they first showed footage of the sequel. I think it's been like five years now. More, uh, more yeah, I mean, more maybe they've announced it. Beyond Good and Evil came out in like two thousand three. Two thousand three, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I, it did not sell well. It was very critically like oh, critics yeah. loved it, but nobody and it, bought it. It found like a small audience later. Like there's a small audience of diehard fans, but yeah. like it was kind of like Psychonauts. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. And Psychonauts getting a sequel finally yeah. this year too, which I can't wait for. Um, yeah, so th- this wasn't ever, ever very big, but like I honestly, I don't ever think we'll see Beyond Good and Evil two. Like, yeah. but apparently, developers are still at work on it. Last I heard at E three, it is still happening. Well, uh, I mean, to work on a game for this for so long is such a fool's errand because, yeah. like, you know, you have just cutting edge technology at the time. And then the systems move forward, and you have to sort of scrap what you've worked on because it's no longer cutting edge or it's not going to run on newer, you know, um, engines or something like that. And you're yeah. like, shit, we have all this sunk cost. Is it worth pursuing it more for this game that has a very small fan base anyway? Right, exactly. And and the worst case scenario, it goes on for 10 years, and uh, then you get Duke Nukem forever, you know? Yeah. It, could, it could wind up just getting that's passed true. around to so many hands, it could be shit. Well, or, then that's... Yeah, yeah, I mean, obviously Duke Nukem forever is... a. Uh, rare kind of shit like oh, yeah. the shittiest oh. of shit but it might uh, be yeah it might be the worst it's game ever. um even if the game isn't great like even if beyond good and evil com- 2 comes out and like isn't like fantastic people right. are gonna forget about it really quick and be like oh that was a disappointment because right. it's gone so long exactly exactly uh so beyond uh beyond good and evil <laughs> beyond, beyond. <laughs> beyond beyond good and evil yeah. and beyond uh rayman uh and the only beyond other on the black rainbow <laughs> The only other notable game that Ansel worked on was uh, the uh, way better than it had any right to be adaptation of Peter Jackson's King oh, yeah. Kong, uh, and uh, which which came out. 
think 2005, and it was like a big kind of a tech demo for the new crop of systems, the Xbox 360 and the PS3. Yeah, that game's actually, that game's pretty sweet. It's really fun. The the sweetest thing about that game, and this is not going to sound like a compliment, but I do mean it, is it's really short. Yeah. It's like a five-hour game. It's almost shorter than the movie. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Which I totally would suck if you had bought it for like 60 bucks. Um, But like, it's still still a really cool like five dollar game it's really fun, fun yeah, yeah. If, if you haven't played it and like if you if, if you randomly have a very strong attachment to that movie i have a feeling mm. that like i just said that and a lot of people are like oh shit peter jackson did a king kong movie i totally forgot about that <laughs> it's like one of I those think people movies... know it is jack black's king kong yeah, exactly it's one of those movies it's like perfectly fine but the original still stands up so well that you kind of don't need it and then skull island came out and was even better so it's like who needs it um anyway yeah let's move on to this actual game and talk about rayman to The Great Escape. This was released November 6, 1999, developed by Ubi Pictures and published by Ubisoft. It was also released on <gasps> PS1, PS2, Dreamcast, Windows, iOS, Game Boy Color, Nintendo DS, Nintendo 3DS, and PlayStation Vita. Like I said, they like to port these games as often as possible. Uh, this was the first game ever developed by Ubi Pictures, which is today known as Ubisoft Montpellier. Uh, the studio was basically created to go into the Michel Ancel business. Uh, the company has worked on all of the Rayman and Rabbids games since the first one. Uh, Their non-Rayman titles include the very poorly aged dancing game Michael Jackson The Experience. Uh, The excellent World War I... It's just a dancing game, right? That's the whole Michael Jackson experience? It's a dancing game. Okay, so it's not... They leave out some parts. They leave out some important uh, details, yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, they also did the excellent World War One puzzle action game Valiant Hearts. Have you played that one? No. Very but cool. I yeah. remember buying it in Europe because it seemed like a fun game as a souvenir in Paris. It, it, I was yeah, walking around right. a used game store in Paris. I'm nice. like, Vandal Hearts seems like the right game to buy from here. Or Valiant Hearts. Valiant, Valiant Hearts, Hearts sorry. Different, oh, yeah, right. Yeah. I own, sorry, I own both. Vandal Hearts. Oh, okay. Valiant Hearts is like the black and white weird yeah, puzzle thing. Yeah, it's mostly thing. black and white. It's kind okay. of a puzzle action. I own that too, but I... You would dig it, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you would dig it. You'd like it. Um, they also made a god game called From Dust, which I'm not familiar with, and they did the movie adaptation of Adventures of Tintin. Hooray! Yay! So according to Wikipedia, the studio's resources are currently tied up working on Beyond Good and Evil Wait. 2. So I want to talk about Adventures of Tintin here for a second. Please. Um, I'm a huge Tintin fan. Mm-hmm. That game the has a co-op mode in it, that is like really fun. If really? you like to play, if you have someone who is in your life who doesn't like to play video games a whole lot, and you, but you want to play a co-op game with them, I highly recommend The Adventures of Tintin. That's um, surprising. It has like a very simple, like it's just like two D platformer, um, jumping and pulling levers at the same time, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But like that's something that I really think works well in co-op, and yeah. it's surprisingly hard to find games that do that competently, and that game does. That's surprising. Ran- randomly, yeah. That's a very surprising. One. I never. That's a game I never would have looked at twice. And so I, I don't, uh, yeah. And you know, as someone who I own Tintin games from Europe for my SNES that yeah. I can't play. Um, oh right. But yeah. I'm sure that. This, this is much better than those. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, Ubisoft pushed this game hard when it first came out. Uh, they're, uh, and they've been very tenacious about following up on it, as you can tell by <laughs> the many, many, many ports of this yeah, game. Yeah, I mean, so think about this. This game came out in 1999, and yeah. it got ported to the 3DS. Yeah. Which came out in, what, 2012? Thir- yeah, 12, 13, something So, like that. you know, that's like a fifth. 
you know, a 13-year-old game at this time. And yeah. people think this game is good enough that it'll still hold up. And it didn't get great reviews on the, when on it got the, ported to the newer uh, thing. From what I understand, it's like this game is pretty great universally on consoles, but kind of bad on mobile. Yeah. Or on uh, handhelds or anything like that. Well, also, to just port a 15-year-old game to your newer system, be like, here you go, it's on handheld now, little, it doesn't cut it. little lazy, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and we have to remember this time Ubisoft was kind of ascendant. You know, they were they were on their way to kind of being a major power in the video game mm-hmm. world. So they were really pushing this hard as like a mascot, you know. Which uh, I mean, I guess technically it's still kind of the closest thing they yeah. have. But they don't really I mean, honestly these days they push the rabbits more. I would say yeah. the rabbits are more their mascot than anything else. Um, yeah, so the N64 was the first console to get this game. Uh, they had it exclusively for a few months, then it went to Windows, and then it went to everything. Uh, this is the version that was used in the 2005 Nintendo DS port, and then the Dreamcast version was used on the 3DS uh, in 2011. So, so I think, yeah, I think the core differences are um, the PS1 version. They the characters actually speak like real languages and real words, whereas in this one, um, you just get kind of the banjo, yeah. banjo kazooie mumblies. It's like it's a little less annoying than banjo. Yeah, because um, it's not so clipped. It sounds like they're speaking full sentences. Yeah, you're, that's a good to way like to put it. Syllables, you know, they're they're actually speaking a language. Like I honestly wasn't sure if like they were speaking French or not. Like well, yeah, they're like, speaking French nonsense. They're speaking French version of nonsense. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, so and, I mean, as far as which version is better? I mean, Metacritic shows scores of 90 out of 100 for both the N64 and the PS2 ports. Uh, so those are the highest rated, but I the, think Dreamcast the Dreamcast version, is supposed to be the best. Yeah, that but. was uh, that was IGN's Game of the Year in 2000. That's a pretty big deal. And uh, but yeah, I didn't see I mean, Game of the Year anything. on Dreamcast. On Dreamcast, yeah, that's true. But still, <laughs> 2000 was a good year for Dreamcast, probably. <laughs> I if it wasn't 2000, I don't know when it would have been. Yeah, so I mean, no year been, was uh, a good year for Dreamcast. I mean, it had to be. What well, they they launched in? Oh, well, they launched nine nine ninety nine. That's an easy one to remember. So yeah, they they were they were on their way up at that point. All right, so what is the plot of this game? Uh, so Rayman is a weird little guy who is a <laughs> citizen of the Glade of Dreams, which is a magical realm that has suddenly come under attack by a band of robo-pirates. So, yes, I am listening. Paul Verhoeven, where's our where's our <laughs> robo-pirate movie? Oh, my God, I want Paul Verhoeven <laughs> to do a Rayman movie. Oh, oh my God, it'd be so, like, body horror and grotesque. Like, he'd be flinging entrails every time he throws his hand. Oh, I want it. Okay. Anyway, uh, the leader of the pirates is uh, Admiral Admiral Razorbeard. I was about to call him Admirable Razorbeard, uh, <laughs> who has destroyed hundreds of planets in his galaxy-wide rampage. Uh, Rayman and his buddy Globox, who kind of looks like a tall frog, yep. uh, they rush in to try and stop the pirates. But in the subsequent battle, the planet's primordial core explodes and shatters into a thousand go- small glowing orbs called Lums. Rayman loses all of his abilities in the explosion, and he's captured by the pirates. Uh, while on the pirate ship, he receives a message from a psychic fairy named Lee, explaining about the importance of the Lums and tasking him with restoring them all to save the world. So Rayman escapes the ship right in the very beginning of the game and begins his quest, regaining powers and meeting new friends. And do have a- all of this is not in the game. Like yeah. most of this is backstory. Like this is about a five minute cutscene at the beginning. I, I have a problem with the title of this game. I mean, I think the Great Escape is a good title, but um, the but escape like is- the, the escape's pretty boring. The escape like, is immediately. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He get Globox brings him his powers, and then you just knock over part of the door and go down a slide and you're out yeah and then you fall a long distance but yeah that is the great escape it happens in the first 30 seconds of the game uh so yeah i was kind of i mean i don't know i don't really put a lot of stock into what subtitles and games sure. say but still it's like that's a little misleading 
Uh, yeah. So like I said, the the opening sequence is just like a like we said, a long slow pan over like a stormy sea with rocks yeah. and it's really really well done there's a funny joke where um it, it shows the uh pirate slave ship and it says slave counter oh. and then it's like it you know 2000 but the counter is going up it's going up like pretty rapidly yeah. while you're watching yeah it's very clever um so I, I did look ahead to an the ending so if you don't want to spoiler for a 20 year old game uh, <laughs> uh mute your thing now but the ending of this game rayman is seemingly killed in a giant explosion and the game ends with all the characters gathered around his tomb at his funeral and he's got like one of his shoes on top of it which like i think is just one of his limbs like, <laughs> yeah, like, that's a good point i don't think he doesn't take off his shoes <laughs> right I, or maybe he does i don't know uh i mean so rayman ends up like limping out of the forest and like he's fine but it just made me think of uh, the ending of Starshot, uh, where your hero is locked in a prison ship and sent out into the void, and then it just says the end. Like it's like French the French new. This is the morbid. French new wave of N sixty four. Like they're like <laughs> all of the N sixty four platformers are wrapped in this existential dread of just like the waves coming in and the kid like running across the beach at the end of the four hundred blows. Yes, I I collect things. Yeah, but why? Yes, exactly. It, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, I don't know, it's a weird morbid sensibility to a very pleasant candy color kind of game. All right, so uh, Rayman, the, Rayman has a move set in this game. He can double jump, he can glide like oh, good. a helicopter it, with his ears. It's good that he has a move set. He they does, don't... otherwise it'd be very boring. <laughs> yeah. He's just a slug, a slug yeah. simulator, which is probably on iTunes somewhere. Yeah, uh, yeah so uh, he can double jump, he can glide like a helicopter with his little ear things. Are those ears or are those hair? What do you think? Uh, they're ears. Are they appendages? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, something I don't. Th- I don't, no, I don't think you can double jump. No, you, I, think you I can, right? I think you just single jump, and if you press oh, A again, right. you, activate, you the, activate the helicopter. You're right, you're right, you're right. Disregard that. Uh, so eventually, uh, he'll gain new powers as he goes. Like, in the right in the beginning, uh, Glowbox comes to you, he gives you a silver orb, and you gain the ability to shoot your fist, you know? Well, like you, shoot, you, you shoot, like, energy balls out of your fist. And it was he saying, just kind of slaps around. It was saying in the wiki that he gets his power from that circle on his shirt. Okay. But that, that I don't know, I don't, that doesn't uh, come up contextually in the game at all i don't know it's he's just like shooting little missiles from his fist um and then uh, you can also get uh uh you can also get the ability to charge up that shot mm-hmm. so that you can like shoot more powerful beams uh you have a strafe move which i really liked uh makes combat like much much easier yeah. um it's it's not quite lock on targeting but it's good enough yeah like, the targeting in this game is really smart like um you you can't really control where you're like you can't control if you're shooting up or down or something like that but your shots will kind of curve to hit to yeah. hit things and they're usually pretty smart about what they're going to hit if you're in the general direction it's going to like kind of zoom in on them a little bit like little hamburger helper guys you know? <laughs> like i assume those guys are uh, uh sentient and they have little colonies that live in my kitchen <laughs> Oh yeah, the little gloves. It took yeah, me, yeah, yeah. I was thinking little pieces of hamburger helper, and I was trying to catch up with you mentally, like envision what you the hell you're talking it's about. A, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, yeah. So uh, if you collect lums, you get a little more of the backstory, and you get more details on the world by holding down the L button. It's a completely optional, goofy feature, but it's kind of cool. It's yeah, like, that's right. a good use for the L button. Anything yeah. that's not integrated into the gameplay is what you want on your L button. Exactly. It's totally optional. If you want these details about this world, they're there. <laughs> but they're not like essential i think that's kind of cool because you meet like little like 
tiny little sort of lemming type characters. Yeah, who... they're called teensies. Okay. Uh, what do they look like? Yeah, lemmings is pretty close. Like, yeah. like the video game. Yeah, lemmings, the video game. Not lemmings, the exactly. not the real lemmings. Yeah, they've got kind of long oval faces and uh, yeah, they're they're cute little guys. They're they're in all the games. This this game, I mean, generally has there's a lot of personality in this game. Like oh, yeah. the characters are really nicely drawn and well animated. You can actually see expressions on Rayman's face. Yeah. There's a scene where you sort of water ski on this little dinosaur through a swamp and then as you leave he's like come visit me again Rayman and this single tear rolls down I know that was and so it's, cute it's really cute that was charming I mean there's a real nice like kind of Saturday morning cartoon vibe around the whole thing where it's like it's goofy and it's silly but it's not constantly mugging at you right. you know it's just like it's a straightforward adventure but it is a wacky world you know so it, it's it's very charming in its style uh, you can uh, collect a lot of stuff in this. You collect, they're lums, uh, mostly what you're collecting, and they come in multiple colors. Uh, the standard yellow lum is worth one, while the larger ones are worth five. Red lums restore your health. Uh, blue gives you oxygen while you're swimming underwater. Purple can be used for swinging on things, which we will get to. We've got a grappling <laughs> hook in this game. Uh, green acts as checkpoints, and then the silver can unlock new powers uh, by giving them to the fairy. Uh, in addition to collecting lums, you can free your friends from cages in each level. Uh, and every 10 cages you break adds onto your life bar. So that's a nice feature. Uh, you can also find power-ups like missiles, golden fists, and multi-purpose plums, which can be used as weapons or as floating surfaces or as just like multiple different things. This um, game, I mean, and this is, this game does a lot with a little. Like mm-hmm. there's very few, like your only controls are to jump, press it again to helicopter, and then B to, th- you know, shoot your beat your lasers but like there's a bunch of different abilities that are sort of all like intuitive and sensitive like you can stand next to these explosive barrels and when you stop moving Rayman will just pick it up and then you can throw it Um, I think this game is like super ahead of its time it reminds me sort of a lot of uh mario odyssey of like these different challenges are all very nicely integrated in there but the actual core moving around is very simple yeah you you do have like a hub world that you kind of navigate from so you can select your world and you can go back and play levels to try yeah it's a menu yeah and like i I don't know that that to me is like an important distinction oh yeah yeah no that's true it's like a it's a map i guess i should say yeah it's like a map or a menu instead of like having a run from style hub world Yeah, yeah no that's that's a good distinction to make yeah and uh that that works really well and i think it encourages going back and replaying too because if you get all of the lums and all of the cages in every level you get a little mini game little bonus game with uh Globox's sad children that you meet at one point who are upset that you killed their father in the escape um but so, yeah i want to talk somewhere. talk about the gameplay here a little bit because yeah. like Super Mario 64 was obviously a huge deal and sort of set the blueprint of what a 3D platformer was. Yeah. And so many of these N64 games just kind of were like, okay, we're just copying this and putting our own spin on it. And as good as, like, Banjo-Kazooie is, Mm. it is sort of that same formula. Yeah. Whereas this game sort of does its own thing. It Um, It's not, like, open, try and solve to get... There's not get a star to beat the level. It's sort of more of an old school style platformer like level based right. it's just in 3D. Yeah, the the collecting doesn't come into account very often. Occasionally you'll find gates where you need a certain number of lums mm-hmm. to get through, 
but they're they're sort of strewn about as you're going through the level naturally. So right. you're not searching for it. this game's not about like running around and collecting a bunch of hidden stuff. No, no, it's, it, it's, it's about like jumping and aiming your jump and overcoming a variety of challenges. Right. It's and it's very like it's uh, story driven and it's it's a little more focused on that. So like you're not spending a lot of time dicking around like running back and forth looking for things unless you want to do that. Right. Which is great. Yeah. Uh, it, and, it has a lot more forward forward momentum in how you're playing this game. You're not like okay, I'm going to spend, you know, 40 minutes running around on this level to get every music note or every puzzle piece. You just, right. As you sort of run forward, you're going the right way on the level. There's yeah. only one way through most of the levels. Exactly, exactly. But there are little nooks and secrets that you can mm-hmm. find if you want to look for them. Uh, and which... I think that's really helpful in terms of making this game stand out oh, yeah. since, since there's so many platforms. 3D platformers on this system. Oh, yeah. And and I think that that's a really good point that, like, most of the platformers we played have just been, like, trying to be Mario or trying to be Banjo-Kazooie. Mm-hmm. And this one is not. Yeah, this one is doing a very distinctive thing. And, it, and it, you know, obviously you can't really have a 3D platformer that doesn't pay homage to Mario 64 sure. in some way just because it was the, you know, the first and the best. But uh, uh, this one is uh, really fantastic and really kind of takes its own directions. Yeah. Um, what else we got? Yeah, and I, I, what I really liked about this one was how seamlessly you shift between different activities. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. you know, so uh, yeah, there's a, there's some combat levels where you're shooting, and then you'll immediately segue into a puzzle section, and then there's like kind of almost a stealth section where you're sneaking up on pirates that are asleep. Sure. Uh, and then uh, you and then go you fight lo- this boss, this machine that's yeah. shooting bar- shooting cannonballs at you. This- that took a second to figure out. Okay, so uh, it, you have to pick up a powder keg and walk down a narrow corridor, and then throw the powder keg at a weak spot on this machine. But every time you get close, these flying bombs come at you, and you can't like get them without dropping the uh, yeah. keg. And Woody finally figured out... You well, to, the game told me. The game told me. I figured oh, yeah. out by reading the instructions the game gave me. See, well, but, and that's that's another clever yeah. thing, but, like, uh, you, you figured out that you, if you throw it in the keg in the air, then you can shoot your fist, blow up the bomb, and then you catch it. Uh, and then way you can down, keep going. Yeah. Which, um, which is very intuitive in how it should work. Mm-hmm. You just don't really expect the game to be that smart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, so, before you start the section, there's a little placard on the wall that kind of explains how to do this. It says you can press B to throw forward, A to throw up. But it doesn't spell it out for you exactly that, like, you can throw up and you can use your weapons. But after failing enough times, the game prompted us. So, like... I like that as a design choice because it's letting us figure it out, figure it out mm. on our own. But if we need a little help, it then it's going to give us a nudge. Yeah. So it's not like bad design. It's they wanted us to figure it out on our own, and then they just gave, they just thought we were smarter than we they were. They thought we were smarter than we were. Which, Mistake uh, many people have made. No, uh, you know we are heat zapped, and <laughs> I am tired. Like I'm tired. No, you're tired. Yeah. Like yeah. So, but, but you figured it out before I did. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and yeah, so you moved into sections like that. Then where there was a, like a vehicle set or like a water skiing yeah. level kind of where uh, you attach yourself to a snake guy named Sam or Sam with like five Sam S's. the snake man. Yeah, and you just you attach him with your limbs. You hold on to him and you water ski through this level. Try and collect uh, lums and hit cages and avoid obstacles. It took us way too long to figure out you can uh, attack things while you're moving. By pressing Z and you kind of <laughs> lean back and kick them with your feet. Yeah, yeah. So there's no like punch in the section, but you can like lean back and uh, hit them with your heels. This game, I think, has a lot in common with uh, Conker's Bad Fur Day, Mm -hmm. which is a game that also has a lot of emphasis. One thing that I really, really like in games um, is when they sort of throw this variety of challenges at you, different sort of gameplay styles. Um, 
and this game does it very well and i feel like conquer tried to do it very well but mm. that game has a lot of problems with like the way it controls and the speed that it runs at yeah um, and it has a lot of those are, yeah a lot of those it. are frustrating whereas i feel like this game does that stuff well right Yes. Uh, we were we were commenting when we first started like it was a little bit slow to start off mm-hmm. and uh but I don't think it was any more slow than any of the rare games. No, Mario that's 64. that's like just, Mario 64 gets right to the Yeah, spot, Mario 64 but, does it the best. They yeah. give you that field where the pipe comes up to sort of run around in and then yeah. once you've done that they're like okay, you're good to go. But like the rare games are really guilty of this of like Banjo-Kazooie like you started the spiral mountain and then the bottles the mole comes out everywhere. He's like press the control stick to run. You're like thanks. I've Wouldn't, played a video game before. It's like what what would happen if like we didn't know that already? The yeah, game would start. Think, well, yeah. How do you what do you think is happening? Like why are we not moving? Like yeah. damn it, I can't figure out this wacky machine. What what's happening? It's kind of like um I was saying like you know with this, this is still like there's always a time where there's this new gameplay style that comes out and companies always feel like we need to make sure that people know how to play this game. And right. this was like still in the 3D platformer time. Oh, for sure. Of like, use the C buttons to control the camera and stuff like this. Um, yeah. Whereas, it, or like when Halo and first person shooters started becoming the norm, they always had this bullshit scene at the beginning where they're like, let me calibrate your controls, machine man. Look yeah. left, look right. And you're like, I know how to look directions, game. <laughs> yeah, <I know>. so. <laughs> yeah. No, so I mean, it, there, there was a little bit of tedium right at the beginning there, but it, we got past it pretty quick. And mm-hmm. once you get into like the proper game itself, there's really, there's never a dull moment. Yeah, it know. really clicks along. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's talk about the camera. This is the one thing that's going to uh, snag anybody playing a 3D platformer on this system. How does the camera in this one stack up? I think you have stronger opinions about this than me, if you want. Okay, well, I mean, this camera I didn't think was very good. Mm-hmm. Um, this game, it's a very it's a jumpy game. Um, you know, if I think of it like Banjo-Kazooie is not really a platformer. It's more of an adventure game. It's sure. not based around going from one platform to the other and, like, making specific jumps. Um, whereas this is much more of, like, jump from lily pad to lily pad and don't fall in the lava or the swamp being much more Mario feeling. But also most of the levels sort of have a more interior feel than Mario. Like, Mario, they're, like, big and wide and open. Right. And there's, you know, you're outside, so there's nothing above you. Right. But in this game, a lot of times there is stuff above you because they're more it's more vertically oriented yeah since you have that helicopter power and so sometimes like you're going down and the camera will be above you but you're only able to see the tree branch that's above you right um it also does suffer from the problem of just like slight moves on your character will make the camera do these big swings which is as we've decided the worst thing that a camera can do you know I I didn't find the camera all that no, uh, intrusive in right. this one. Right, with, with all that yeah. that I said, yeah. it's still not a bad... It doesn't ruin the game by any means. No, I mean, it, like like you say, like it, it has different functions, but I would say it is about on par with Banjo-Kazooie in terms yeah. of like camera control. I guess, like, right, I it, agree that it is on par with Banjo. Right, I just yeah. think that it's a kind of game that suffers more from having not an ideal camera than yeah. Banjo. And that, that might much be the faster one... faster pace. That might be the one recommendation for playing this on ps2 or something with dual analog sticks which might make it a little easier to control the camera Mm -hmm. but uh yeah this one it 
if if you're kind of familiar with uh, platforming games of this era and you kind of know what you're getting into, yeah. it's really not that bad. No, nope. um, I, I didn't have too many problems with it at all. Um, and you just use the C buttons to move it around. Uh, and again, the benefit of having a pretty minimal controller layout is uh, that you can use those C buttons for precise camera control as much as you can. These games always had a thing of like the, the C buttons would just argue with you. They would you would be in some and oh, you would yeah. like turn camera right and they're like nope uh, and they just have uh, like a red X and you're like why won't the camera turn right and they're like yeah. we don't we don't know how that would work mathematically <laughs> and you're like uh what do the C buttons do then? I mean it's I guess it's good to have those limits so the camera's not getting stuck, stuck in the behind. wall or yeah, anything yeah that's you know? true so I guess that is I, preferable I, I appreciate that even though the little uh, is an annoying sound but uh yeah so I'm gonna keep making it on this podcast <laughs> uh, yeah uh so yeah let's uh what else do we got yeah so we played about three levels in an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we took were our still time, kind of stuck through. stuck in the marsh. Um, yeah, but you get a sort of decent variety of levels in here. I the one that always sticks in my mind is there's a sort of fire temple that you go through. Oh, and that's right. Um, you played this game all the way through. I have. Past. I remember yeah. playing this game. Um, I think quite a bit after it had come out. Maybe in like. Uh, Boy, like I want to say, like 2006, mm. um, and I still really liked it and was really impressed by it because it scratches so many things that I enjoy in games. It's fast moving. Um, it has a lot of gameplay variety, and grappling hook. Yes. It has a grappling hook mechanic. Yes, it does. Um, All right, yeah, let's talk about yeah, that grappling Yeah, so hook. grappling hooks are always near and dear to my heart. You get this um, sort of midway, most of the way through, I think, the second level, um, and your character, Rayman, can shoot these little floating rings, and then this line comes out from his arm, and you can swing on it. Um, it's very similar to the grappling hook mechanic in the Ratchet and Clank games. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Which it, works it great. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't give you a lot of freedom. It's not like a freestyle grappling hook. But also, um, that's kind of annoying to me, like yeah. when you can move your grappling hook in all directions and, yeah, you and you start just, you just wind swinging up swinging out of the control. maypole yeah really yeah. get like a tether ball yeah games yeah. really need to be like if you're going to do that that has to be the main mechanic of your game right um, and it just it flows in really nicely in this game absolutely yeah it works pretty smoothly um yeah we only got to see a couple of the grappling hooks the little purple lums that look like uh, uh nuva rings you know just <laughs> up in the air so, cheerios steve <laughs> cheerios see i saw nuva ring first okay. thing i don't know what that says about me that i didn't see any other other round shape. Birth, birth control is very important to the <laughs> yeah, world yeah. that you live in. I'm very passionate about it, yes. Uh, so, yeah, uh, anything else to say about this game? Uh, I, I remember in this game, um, the advertising for this always stu- stuck in my head. There mm. was... Um, they had a picture. It was like, don't be fooled by cheap imitators. And then they had this fat guy on the couch um, just, like, eating Cheetos. And it was, oh. like, Ray. And it, under it, it said Ray. And oh, then next yeah. to him, it had the cover of this game and said Ray Man. So That's, it was Ray yeah. the game versus Ray Man, and I, I actually I would have liked to play Ray the game as well. I was, <laughs> That's like that Rick and Morty bit about uh, uh, where you get uh, fuck. What's the name of the game? Like it's this virtual simulation game where you get to live a man's entire life oh, from birth to death. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah um, I remember I those ads. Those are pretty amazing. 
Uh, I got a couple other little bits and pieces about this series. Sure. So, uh, have you ever watched the Rayman TV series? Oh, no, I meant to yeah. ask about it. I mean, we should have watched some before doing this. I, I watched a little okay, bit. Okay, good. So, uh, right around this time, I think it was like 99, 2000, right when this game was coming out, uh, French TV executives greenlit an animated TV show based on this character. They originally ordered 26 episodes, but the show was very abruptly canceled, <laughs> and only five episodes were ever produced. Only four were ever aired. Okay. Um, the series never made it to air in America, but uh, there was a very small DVD slash VHS release, and you can probably track it down if you're a big fan of terrible well, is it, animation. Is it just on YouTube now? It is I mean, all on YouTube okay, as yeah. well, but if you want the physical copy, you can get it. Um, I would say it's at least worth watching some of it on YouTube, if only so you could hear Billy West as Rayman doing a proto-fry voice. I was initially excited about it, like when I read that it existed, and then I just did a search and saw like the YouTube screen capture, and I'm like, oh it's no. Grotesque. This like, does not look like what I want the Rayman game to look like. It looks dramatically worse than the game, and uh, and obviously it's all dubbed in French, so uh, the mouth movements don't uh-huh. match anything, so it's a little distracting. I, guess, I mean, I guess the idea is computer animation would have been cheaper like than hand because like they already had like very clean hand-drawn design from the the first game right so like why not just sort of match that i mean it's it's kind of if you've ever seen footage of the donkey kong country animated oh yes i have seen that it's kind of on par with that level of animation if you if if you look up both of those on youtube sometime and then shield your eyes (laughs) it's it's pretty grotesque in a funny way uh, so there are many sequels to this game. Well, not many. There are a couple. Uh, 2003's Rayman 3 Hoodlum Havoc. Uh, it was fairly well received, but it's still kind of considered a disappointment compared to this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, I think, like 7.5 EG. I remember like that, that game as being one of the shortest games that I ever played. Like, that was the only game I remember being, like, incredibly surprised that it was over. Like, because mm. usually I love short games. Sure. And, like, I think I feel like I played it for three hours, and I'm yeah. like, that was the whole game? What the heck happened? Uh, I don't even... It's So it's like, the thing is like a fever dream. That's, like, all I remember about it was just how quickly it was over. I've, I'm kind of at the same point with... Uh, and it's a game I played recently, Metal Gear Solid Revengeance. Okay. Uh, which I did not realize was, like, a really short game. I beat the whole game in three hours. Okay, that's... I should really need to play that game. Yeah, I'll let you borrow it. Uh, I own it. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Um, So, yeah, Rayman 3 Hoodlum Havoc came out, and then uh, in 2011, Rayman came back with the exceptional 2D platformer Rayman Origins, which was followed by Rayman Legends two years later. So, Um, yeah, I mean, it was kind of a... It was kind of a weird rebirth, like, because, you know, Rayman 2 was such, like, this great 3D platformer. Rayman 3 was, like, competent, and you're like, I feel like they could build from this. Yeah. And then they just decided, no, we're done with the 3D. We're going to build it on, like, uh, this four-player 2D platformer thing. Right. Oh, yeah, I forgot it was four-player. Yeah, yeah it's weird. It sort, of, it sort of took the mantle from the new Super Mario Brothers games. <laughs> right. Uh, but it's really nice, crisp, uh, clean 2D animation. Uh, and the action is really cool. Like, you get to some levels and, like, everything's collapsing around you, but it collapses in a certain order. So, like, if you have to time it just mm. right to, to make your jump and escape the level. It's really very precise and very cool, and I like the direction they took it in. The other notable version thing to talk about with this series is the Rabbids. Uh, the Rabbids were a strange spinoff from Rayman. There's ugly, mischievous little, like, rat monsters. <laughs> Screamy things. That, uh, they made their debut in 2006's Wii game uh, Rayman Raving Rabbids, 
which was kind of a party minigame collection, um, and that was originally being developed as Rayman 4. When did the Minions first arrive? The Minions came they, out... 2004? Two, no, later than okay. that. It was like 2012. They're oh, fairly, really? Okay. They're, they're after this, for sure. I, I, but so I my brain they, like got mushed together between the Rabbids and the Minions of like they remind short things lot. that yell a lot yeah. and kids love. And it's kind of the same, almost like uh, uh, capsule shape of them, yeah. you know? Like, so you can definitely see influences from Despicable Me, like, or, uh, yeah, I think the Rabbids influenced the design of the Minions, definitely. Uh, so yeah, the, uh, the, the Raving Rabbids was originally being developed as Rayman 4, and in the early concept, Rayman would be fighting reanimated zombie rabbits, and they were going to be, like, the evil bad guys. Yeah. Uh, and then the concept kind of evolved, and then, uh, they made it just so, like, they're more, they're not so much evil as they are just, like troublemakers yeah agents and, of chaos yeah and you and you get to use your uh, your wii remote to aim plungers Cha- they, and shoot ca- stuff out chaotic of neutral is that how that works chaotic or? neutral sure yeah I yeah know. i think i just said two of i think never mind i don't know someone write in and explain why chaotic neutral is not a real thing i don't know because i'm pretty I, sure it's not no i think it is right okay yeah it probably is i haven't played D. um yeah, so they uh, they kind of became their own thing after that. For the next game, they dropped Rayman from it completely, and it was just a Rabbids game. And now there have been a staggering 16 Rabbids games. So there's way more the Rabbids decade. games than there way are Rayman more. games. Yeah, yeah, way more. Uh, including my favorite is the insane XCOM clone Mario yeah. and Rabbids Kingdom Battle. That's like Weirdest one the, game. One of the least likely mashups you can imagine, especially for a game to be really fun. But that game's a lot of fun. Mario plus Rabbids plus XCOM. Yeah, yeah. Who the hell wanted that? Like, I, that was one of those, it's one of two games I've seen in my life where I was certain it was a joke. Okay. The first one was uh, Lego Star Wars. Yeah. Like, I thought for sure that was a joke, yeah. and then I played, like, all the Lego games, <laughs> and I love them. And, uh, yeah, and uh, Mario and Rabbids. Like, there's no way that Nintendo would loan out their mascot character to be with these weird little rat things. But they did, and it's great. It's a lot of fun. Pick it up if you can on your Switch. It's a lot of fun. Um, that's about all I have to say about Rayman. Let's move on to our ratings. Yeah. Uh, this every week we uh, add the game that we just played to our ongoing list of games. Uh, why don't you start us off? Where sure. are you putting this one? Um, Rayman Two is awesome. It um, really is. It's sort of as we discussed. It falls to the wayside because it came out late-ish in the system's lifespan. Yeah, and. It, it just doesn't quite have the following that Banjo Kazooie or Mario does. Yeah. Um, but I think it's probably as good of a game as Banjo Kazooie, as weird as that sounds to say. Yeah. Um, it's certainly more to my tastes in the sense that um, you don't we're not wandering around this overworld. Um, you don't have to go back to like collect a couple notes that you missed. Um, and but it doesn't quite have the same level of just like characters that banjo kazooie does and like the, the, the bright it doesn't it's bright and colorful but it's not as bright or as bright colorful as uh like the um the cove level in banjo kazooie sure. for example right, um, right and the music is just is not the music is very good in it's this very game good. and very it, clear yeah we yeah. didn't really talk about it but it's very good and very clear like uh that was noteworthy i thought yeah um i so i would say it's probably a must own game for the system i'm putting it at number eight on my list which is right under banjo kazooie guess what it's my number eight as well. Nice. Holy shit. That, <laughs> yeah, that nerd synergy, yeah. Almost never happens. But yeah, that that it's a new number eight for me, right below Pokemon Snap and just above uh, Star Fox 64. Yeah. yeah, I think it's just above Star Fox 64. This is you. a fantastic game. Uh, I think, I mean, to the degree you can call this like an unsung gem for how heavily it's been ported and yeah. how well it's sold, like... 
people sleep on this one, and I don't think we talk enough about how good this game is. Like uh, this, this is kind of a, a, a real gem, I think. And, and I uh, do think that. Um like the mechanics from this game feel much more modern like Mm -hmm. banjo kazooie as cool as it is it feels like very of its time Mm -hmm. whereas this game like you i feel like it's been ported to new systems so much because like if you just slap new coat of paint on it it still plays very well and cleanly right um it doesn't have these sort of a lot of these weird outdated mechanics well, and this is one of the rare games that we played too. No, that... it's not a rare game. It's oh, Ubisoft. No, excuse me. Oh, excuse me. No, yeah. no. <laughs> this is one of the uncommon games. There you, you go, play, dick. <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> that um, are um, like the N sixty four is like the preferred way to play. It's available in a lot of different mm-hmm. places, but this might actually be the best way to play it. Is, yeah, it just feels system. very natural on the N64. It feels great. And again, I haven't played the Dreamcast version. I hear that is pretty great, but like... Uh, it, it very much feels like an N64 game. It absolutely and, does, yeah. yeah. No, so absolute huge recommend from both of us. Rayman 2, The Great Escape. It's great. Uh, I'm going to keep playing it. I'm going to keep playing it. Uh, it's it's fantastic. Um, so thank you all for tuning in. Uh, we don't have any letters this week because we are recording ahead of time because we are fancy like that (laughs) but next week's game is gonna be another big one uh a series we have not visited in quite a while we are going to be playing turok 2 seeds of evil and we will finally settle how to properly pronounce turok turok (laughs) and and how to plant how to properly care and water for your seeds of evil Uh, to make sure they grow into chaotic evil well, first yeah. of all, you have to uh, you have to sprinkle uh, uh, dead animals on your garden. Uh-huh. I think that's the first step. You yeah. uh, uh, water and, and it with so- blood, and then the souls of the damned. Mm-hmm. Um, you just give it like a little dusting. Exactly, exactly. And then you fart on it. <laughs> okay, that's the that's the most evil thing you could do. <laughs> Wonderful. And on that note, good night, everybody. Flip, 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 flip. Helicopter. <laughs> <laughs>